0: Chapter 32 of Mystery of the Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Mystery of the Sea by Bram Stoker. Chapter 32 The Lost Script. After a little consideration of ways and means, we decided that the best thing we could do was to pass through the passage to the old chapel. It was still very early, so early that in all probability none of the household were yet awake. If Marjorie could regain her room before being seen, it would avoid curiosity. She was certainly in a shocking condition of dust and dishevelment. Her groping in the dark through that long, rugged passage had not been accomplished without many hardships. Her dress was torn in several places, and her hat was simply knocked to pieces. Even her hair was tumbled about, and had been put up again and again with dusty fingers. She saw me smiling. I think it pained her a little, for she suddenly said, Come along quick. It's simply awful standing here in the light of day in this filthy state. It won't feel half so bad in the dark passage. Without more ado, I lit my lamp, and having, of course, closed the entrance behind us, we went back into the cavern. The tramp back through the tunnel did not seem nearly so long or so difficult as at first. It may have been that comparative familiarity made it easier. It certainly eased its terrors. Or it is possible that our companionship, each to the other, made the bearing of fears and difficulties lighter anyhow it was something of a surprise to both of us to find ourselves so quickly in the rude chamber whence the steps led up to the old chapel before we left this we made a rough examination of it turning the lantern over walls and floor and ceiling for i had an idea that the passage from the castle which i was satisfied must exist made its exit here we could not however see any external sign of an opening the walls were built up of massive unmortared stones and were seemingly as solid as the rock itself. When we got into the chapel, we found the utility of Marjorie's foresight. In a corner was her little basket with soap and towel, water and clothes-brush, and together we restored her to some semblance of decency. Then she went back to the castle and got in unobserved, as I, watching from the shelter of the trees, could see. I took my way back through the passage, and so to the wood where my bicycle was hidden. I washed my hands in the stream and lay down in the shelter of a thick grove of hazel, where I slept till breakfast-time. When I rode up to the castle I found Marjorie with her Kodak on the sweep outside, taking views of its various points. The morning was intensely hot, and here in the shelter of the little valley and the enclosing wood the air was sultry, and the sun beat down pitilessly. We had a table set out under the shelter of the trees and breakfasted al fresco. When we were alone in her boudoir, I settled with Marjorie that we would, on that evening, attempt to find the treasure, as the tide would be out at midnight. So we went down to the library and got out Don de Escoban's narrative and began to read it afresh, noting, as we went, every word and sign of the secret writing, in the hope that we might in thus doing— "'stumble on some new secret or hidden meaning. "'Whilst we were thus engaged, "'a servant came looking for Mrs. Jack, "'for whom a stranger had brought a letter. "'Marjorie told where she might be found, "'and for some time we went on with our work. "'Suddenly the door opened, "'and Mrs. Jack entered, "'speaking over her shoulder "'as she came to a high-bred-looking dark man "'who followed her. "'As she saw us, she stopped and said to Marjorie, "'Oh, my dear!' "'I didn't know you were here. I thought you were in the ladies' room. This was what they usually called the big room at the top of the castle.' We both rose, seeing a stranger. For my own part, there was something in his face which set me thinking. As to Marjorie, I could not help noticing that she drew herself up to her full height, and held herself at tension in that haughty way which now and again marked her high spirit and breeding.' There seemed so little cause for this attitude that my own thinking of the newcomer was lost in the contemplation of hers. Mrs. Jack noticed that there was some awkwardness, and spoke hurriedly. "'This is the gentleman, my dear, that the agent wrote about, and as he wanted to look over the house, I brought him myself.' The stranger, probably taking his cue from her apologetic tone, spoke. "'I trust I have not disturbed the senora. If I have—' "'Pardon.' I have but come to renew my memory of a place dear to me in my youth, and which, through the passing of time, and of some who were, is now my own heritage. Marjorie smiled, and swept him a curtsey as she said, but still in her distant arm's-length manner. "'Then you are the owner of the castle, sir. I hope that we do not disturb you. Should you wish to be anywhere alone, we shall gladly withdraw, and wait your pleasure.' he raised a hand of eloquent protest, a well-kept gentleman's hand, as he said in tones sweet and deferent, Oh, I pray you, do not stir. May I say that when my house is graced with the presence of so much loveliness, I am all too full of gratitude to wish for any change. I shall but look around me, for I have a certain duty to do. Alas, this, my heritage, comes not only as a joy, but with grave duties which I must fulfil. Well I know this room. Many a time as a boy I have sat here with my kinsman, then so old and distant from me in my race, and yet I am his next successor. Here has he told me of old times, and of my race of which we who have the name are so proud, and of the solemn duty which might some day come to me. "'Could I but tell?' Here he stopped suddenly. His eyes had been wandering all over the room, up and down the bookshelves, and at the few pictures which the walls contained. When they rested on the table, a strange look came into them. Here lay the typescript which we had been reading, and the secret writing of the dotted printing. It was on the latter that his eyes were fixed absorbingly. "'Where did you get that?' he said suddenly, pointing to it the question in its bald simplicity was in word rude but his manner of asking it was so sweet and deferential that to me it robbed it of all offence i was just about to answer when my eye caught that of marjorie and i paused there was such meaning in her eyes that my own began roving to find the cause of it as i looked she put her hands on the table before her and her fingers seemed to drum nervously to me however it was no nervous trifling "'She was speaking to me in our own cipher. "'Be careful,' she spelled out. "'There is some mystery. Let me speak.' "'Then, turning to the stranger, she said, "'It is curious, is it not?' "'Ah, Signora, though curious it be in itself, "'it is nothing to the strangeness of its being here. "'If you only knew how it had been searched for.' How the whole castle had been ransacked from roof to dungeon to find it, and always without avail. Did you but understand the import of that paper to me and mine? If indeed the surmises of many generations of anxious men availed aught, you would pardon my curiosity. In my own youth, I assisted in a search of the whole place; no corner was left untouched, and even the secret places were opened afresh. As he went on. Marjorie's eyes were resting on his face unflinchingly, but her fingers were spelling out comments to me. "'There are secret places, then, and he knows them. Wait.' The stranger went on. "'See, I shall convince you that I speak from no idle curiosity, but from a deep conviction of a duty that was mine and my ancestors' for ages.' There was a sternness mingled with his grave sweetness now it was evident that he was somewhat chagrined or put out by our silence leaving the table he went over to one of the bookshelves and after running his eye over it for a moment put his hand up and from a shelf above his head took down a thick leather-covered volume this he laid on the table before us it was a beautiful old black letter law book with marginal notes in black letter and headings in roman type the pagination was i could see as he turned it over by folios he turned to the title-page which was an important piece of printing in many types explanatory of the matter of the book he began to read the paragraphs placed in the triangular in form in vogue at that day following the text with his forefinger he read a collection in english of the statutes now in force continued from the beginning of magna carta made in the nine-year of the reign of king H three, until the end of the session of parliament holden in the twenty-eighth year of the reign of our gracious queen elizabeth under titles placed by order of alphabet wherein is performed touching the statutes wherewith justices of the peace have to deal so much as was promised in the book of their office lately published for which purpose Etc., etc., then turning over the page, he pointed to a piece of faded writing on the back of it which had been left blank of printing. We bent down and read in the ink, faded to pale brown by time, My sons, herein you will find the law which binds the stranger in this land, wherein a stranger is a vagabond. F. de E. twenty three October, fifteen ninety nine. Then he turned rapidly over the leaves, till, towards the end, there was a gap. On the right-hand page, where the folio number was all along placed, was the number 528. See, he said, turning back and pointing to the bottom of the title page, Anno 1588, three hundred years since first my people used it. Turning back, he looked at the folio before the gap. It was 510. "'See,' he said, placing his hand on the penmarked marked pages. "'Folio 511, and the heading of Vagabonds, Beggars, etc.' He folded his arms in a dignified way and stood silent. All along I had been following my own train of thought, even whilst I had been taking in the stranger's argument, and at the same time noting Marjorie's warning. If this man who owned the castle knew of the existence of the secret writing— Whose ancestors had owned the book, in which was the clue signed "F de e, surely then this could be none other than the descendant of the Don Bernardino who had hidden the treasure. This was his castle. No wonder that he knew its secret ways. Matters were getting complicated if this man were now the hereditary guardian of the hidden treasure, and from his likeness to the ghostly Spaniard whom I had seen in the procession at Winifold, I saw no reason to doubt it he might be an enemy with whom we should have to cope. I was all in a whirl, and for a few seconds I think quite lost my head. Then rushed over me the conviction that the mere lapse of time passed in these few minutes of agonized silence was betraying our secret. This brought me up with a round turn, and I looked about me. The strange man was standing still as marble. His face was set and there was no sign of life in him except his eyes, which blazed as they wandered around, taking everything in. Mrs. Jack saw that there was something going on which she did not understand, and tried to efface herself. Marjorie was standing by the table, still, erect and white. Her fingers began to drum softly as she caught my eye, and spelled out, Give him the paper from Mrs. Jack. Lately found in old oak chest. Say nothing of interpretation. This seemed such a doubtful move that, with my eyes, I queried it. She nodded in reply. So I gathered myself together and said, I am afraid, sir, that there is some mystery here which I cannot undertake to understand. I think I may say, however, for my friend Mrs. Jack, that there will be no trouble in your having full possession of your book. I am told that these pages were lately found in an old oak chest. It is remarkable that they should have been missing so long. "'We were attracted by the funny marks. "'We thought that there might be some sort of cryptogram. "'And I suppose I may take it, "'from the fact of your looking for them so long, "'that this is so?' "'He grew suspicious in a moment, "'and stiffened all over. "'Marjorie saw and appreciated the reason. "'She smiled at me with her eyes "'as she drummed on the table. "'The herring is across his path.' As the awkward pause was this time with the stranger, we waited with comparative ease. I saw with a feeling of wonder that there was, through all her haughtiness, a spice of malice in Marjorie's enjoyment of his discomfiture. I looked at Mrs. Jack and said, "'May I give these papers to Mr. Blank?' She answered promptly, "'Why, certainly. If Mr. Barnard wants them—' Marjorie turned round suddenly and, in a surprised voice, said, "'Mr. Barnard?' "'That is the name given in the letter which he brought, my dear.' The stranger at once spoke out, "'I am Mr. Barnard here, but in my own country I am of an older name. "'I thank you, sir and madame,' turning to Mrs. Jack, "'for your courteous offer.' But it will be time enough for me to consider the lost pages when, through the unhappiness of your departure from my house, I am enabled to come hither to live. In the meantime, all I shall ask is that the pages be replaced in this book, and that it be put in its place on the shelf where none shall disturb it. As he spoke in his sweet, deferential way, there was something in his look or manner which did not accord with his words, a quick eager shifting of his eyes and a breathing hard which were at variance with his words of patience. I did not pretend, however, to notice it. I had my own game to play. So, without a word, I placed the pages carefully in the book and put the latter back on the shelf from which he had taken it. There was an odd look in Marjorie's face which I did not quite understand, and as she gave me no clue to her thoughts by our sign language, I waited. Looking at the stranger haughtily, and with a distinctly militant expression, she said, The agent told us that the Barnard family owned this castle. He bowed gravely, but a hot, angry flush spread over his face as he replied, He spoke what truth he knew. Marjorie's reply came quickly. But you say you are one of the family, and the very memorandum you pointed out was signed F.D.E., again the hot flush swept his face but passed in an instant leaving him as pale as the dead after a pause of a few moments he spoke in a tone of icy courtesy i have already said senora that in this country our name my name is bernard a name taken centuries ago when the freedom of the great land of england was not as now when tolerance for the stranger was not in my own land the land of my birth the cradle of my race i am called don bernardino iglesias paleolojo y santordo y castelnuova de escoban count of Minurca and Marquis of salvaterra as he rehearsed his titles he drew himself up to his full height and pride of race seemed actually to shine or emanate from him marjorie too on her side of the table drew herself up proudly as she said in a voice in which scorn struggled for mastery with dignity, Then you are a Spaniard. End of section thirty two. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.